When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar. I'm your host as always and joining me this week are two of the learned gentlemen of Heart and Hand. First of all, the professor of Sunnah Studies, knowledge of all things historical, Mr Ian Hogg. Learned. Um, yes, good afternoon David. Thank you for having me on and good afternoon everyone. And also joining us, uh, a man who can bring a little bit of more up-to-date knowledge, low blocks, defensive walls, expected Gs, all of that shite, it's Adam Thornton. David, hello. If you'd have been in my house at halftime on Saturday, that was the furthest thing from my mind, but I'll, uh, I'll try my best to bring it back around tonight. Yeah, um, can I just say, folks, that, that certainly chatting away to Adam on, on Saturday afternoon, what I most liked about about you Adam was I think a feeling that we've all had in the past right because what Adam was in can only be described as a an aggressive huff um, that Rangers were losing and it's one of those after St Mirren and then going 1-0 down to Motherwell it's not why aren't they playing well or why aren't they doing this it's why are you doing this to me Rangers you take it personally don't you Oh, I was I was in a dark place. Uh, so much so that even even by the end, in fact, even today, I'm still not 100% recovered from it. I think it's hanging about with Martin too much. He just eventually just grinds you down and brings you down to his level of of misery. Yeah, well, that's true. He got married this week, so you yeah, know, and he was it was nearly jinxed. Yes, it was um, because Martin got married on the the Tuesday. Folks Rangers, of course, lost to St Mirren on the Wednesday, and his new wife pointed out that that walking about in a bad mood. Because you've because you've lost a football match just 24 hours after your wedding day um, is is not good. But as Martin pointed out, hello, my name is Martin Ramsey. You appear not to have met me. Um, yeah, you know, weddings come and go. Rangers are forever. But look, going into this game, Ian, Rangers will drop points this season. 
And I will moan about it when it happens. Right? Cards on the table. Not going to sit here and say I'll be sanguine about it. It's one of those hypothetical things that you can be okay with in theory. But we all know the truth. When Rangers drop points, I will be bloody livid. But logically, in my brain, I know that it will happen. However, it could not happen for a multitude of reasons that we are about to get into. It could not happen on Saturday. No, it couldn't. Um, it was outside of the first you know, 20 minutes or so last Wednesday night. It was it was poor. Uh, we switched off. We couldn't switch it back on. We lost the game. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And sent us all into a wee tailspin. I think Huff underplays it. Strop is probably the best uh, the, the best description. And it put us, it gave us all, I think, collective fear. Um, David going into Saturday that, you know, we heard all the stuff about the four times previous that Stephen Gerrard's Rangers have gone out a cup. They've played at home and they've they've not won. Um, so there was. It was, felt like an entire jungle of monkeys on our back on Saturday morning. Going into the game, um, I think, if I'm being honest, Gerard picked probably the team that most of us would have picked. You know, poor performers weren't in, uh, regulars were. Um, and we we simply, I think, from a, a confidence, from a, you know, monkeys off the back, from a, um, from just that, fear not spiralling and into something that's out of control you're right we we absolutely had to win and do you know what for 45 minutes to an hour it looked as if that was the furthest thing from happening yeah i mean adam start with that the, the team selection at the weekend it was you know back to full strength um i think it's not controversial to say I think the manager over-rotated against Mirren and it bit us in the arse a little bit, a big bit. And uh, it was back to what, given who's available at the moment, I would have considered the first team. But I know that you are not quite as set on that midfield as maybe others have been. Uh, in, it's the same as last season, I guess, um, with the Jack Davis Kamara thing. We got our best results with that. Is it necessarily the, the best midfield to to approach every single game? I think we we've seen very quickly the answer was no. Kamara Davis Arfield uh, is a lot more has a lot more to it. It can attack and it can defend. It is the best balanced midfield I think we've got uh, is the way that I would describe it. Um, and I think on form this season, you would say. It's the best midfield, um, but it's useful in certain games. Um, Celtic away, Hibs away, uh, all the home Europa games, and others, to be fair, most away games where it's going to be a little bit tighter. I think you get the picture. That's that's where we might not dominate the ball as much as we would in other games. We all still dominate the ball, but not to the ridiculous points of 75-80% possession. Um, they've tended to play those type of games. In the other games, we've mixed it up slightly with mostly Jory Bo and Jack coming in to, to partner our field. We're talking Hamilton at home, Aberdeen at home. Games where we'll have loads of the ball and expect to dominate. You get more attackers in the team and results and performances have been really positive. Gerrard's had a lot of praise for that. Um, so there's a wee bit of logic there. Basically, Kamara and Davis in tighter games. Aribo and Jack in position heavy ones with Arfield playing both. I don't think anybody would, would argue up until um, the last two games where he's been a little poor. Um Against St Mirren, I, I agree with what you're, you're saying and what the general mood is. Um, but 
I was I can't be hypocritical because I was happy with the team before the game. The only thing for me would have been Bassi for Barisic, but I wasn't that offended by it. That it was something that that I thought was was ridiculous. When you sit down, and you think about it logically. Barisic should play because it's a cup game and it was really really important to us. But Bassi hasn't let anybody down. Other than that, uh, I was fine with it outside of the forced absentees, which was really just Jack. Um, and Morelos, uh, I guess. So, uh, so we can't do anything about those. So there was only really one for me, to be honest. And and it kind of played to that logic. It's going to be possession heavy. We want to get those guys in there. We want to win it. However, given it's a cup game, um, maybe Kamara Davis Arfield would have been better there. Other than that, I, I can't be too critical uh, at all. Um, against St Mirren, uh, I, I think we we stuck to this really. Uh, I think Zungu played the, the jack role. Haribo and Arfield started in front of him. Um, it stands to reason, um, as I said previously, that I think the problem there was was poor performances rather than tactical instruction. And if we're being honest, the way that St Mirren um, played the game, I, I, I think they were they were very, very good uh, at what they did, which we don't always think of, David, when, when we're looking at our teams. We don't think of how good the other team is playing if they're having a really good game. We just think about Rangers, which is, is what we do. That's fine. Um, in the game um, on Wednesday night, I thought Davis coming on for Arfield was a little weird. Um, not the player coming on and the player going off, but the, the types were 2-1 down. Uh, maybe we wanted to control possession a little more, but it's a bit of a weird sub when we're chasing the game, really. You then have Zungu and Davis sitting deeper and giving us less support for Defoe, where what we needed was, was more. Um, maybe Hadji could have been an option there in the same way that he then proved to be against Motherwell. I don't know. Um, I also don't understand you're chasing a goal when you take the four off, and, or sorry, you take it in off and bring on the four. Have both of them on. You're chasing a goal. Um, you want the four on to grab a goal, but you want somebody to support them. I think that's that's basic stuff. I get the shape and all that sort of stuff, but there was ways around that it could have had both of them on. I think, and who knows what might have happened. Then against Motherwell, we started with that big game midfield, which again I, I did think was a little weird. Um, but I guess after the feet midweek, he maybe wanted to play his trusted players, even if they weren't. As, as suited to the challenges, maybe more attacking players might be in theory. I don't know. I think we can say it didn't work uh, in the first half. Um, it wasn't the midfield's fault in total, but with two more possession-heavy centre mids compared with Aribo or Hadji, who are better with risky passing and maybe forward running, etc. Um, it sort of feels like how it pan out, especially um, when you think how Motherwell approached the game. I have to caveat that again, David, with I didn't have a major concern with the lineup pre-game, but that was based on what we've seen from Motherwell in their away game. Uh, I don't think anybody expected them to come and play that 5-5-0. So when the game started and then they got their goal, I think very quickly it might have been came, became obvious we probably want to sacrifice one of these. The, the commentary team were talking about sacrificing a centre half um, from early on in the or late on in the first half, I think it was, sacrificing a, a centre half. For me, I think the switch at halftime was was the right one with Bing Naribo on for Kamara. Um, I think that helped us get ourselves back into the game. So yeah, the midfield three, there's, there's a lot to unpack there. That was a bit of a rant, but I think um, I, I can see the manager's point. It, it just feels like there's maybe two points. In, or there's a point in the St Mirren game where he maybe changed it up um, and it maybe didn't help us. And then there's a point in this game where he changed it up and it, it did help us. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think that the, the the game on Saturday, one of the things, as people might know, I'm, I'm very privileged, I get to go and report from the games at Ibrox. And Stephen Davis's contribution was enormous. Now, that might seem a little bit strange because, obviously, you know, you look at what happened with the actual goals, but Davis was the real driving force. He kept getting the ball and then bringing it forward and giving it to... Hadji, Aribo, etc. 
the attacking players to start or to, to Tavernier to, to Bonabaris. He kept that going just constantly, but also he was talking everybody through it. You go there, you stay there, you switch with him. And it, it really was a sort of on-field captain's display from Stephen David. He was really important and it, it was maybe more noticeable being there and being able to hear, obviously, the, the shouts that Davis played a, a monumental part in that second-half comeback. Ian, the fullbacks have had a lot of praise. They've deserved it this season. They've been magnificent, absolutely magnificent. James Tavernier has been skyscrapingly good. The first goal at the weekend, though, was their fault. Um, Bonabaric turns his back on a cross... Cross gets across. Tav's nowhere at the back post. Uh, Motherwell player sticks it in. If he hadn't, there was another Motherwell player there to do so. Um, yeah, we know in modern football that fullbacks are about attacking. We know that. We get that, especially the style of football we play. But you still have to do the basics. Well, defenders. Uh, here's here's a point where Adam close your ears. Um, defenders actually do have to defend. Um, I get that modern fullbacks are by and large wingers in old old money, um, but our defenders can defend, uh, and, and Barisic and Tav can defend. And the first goal is just basic. It really is. It's not as if they've broken away either. They they haven't broken away, and therefore we've we've got our two fullbacks high up the park. It comes from a throw, and we should yeah. be set. Yeah. Um, so they should they should be set. They they win the ball in the 80 yard line. It's played out, and then it's just I think O'Donnell just drills it across, basically the six yard box. Barisic seems to have an aversion to actually cutting out crosses. Um, Borna, you need to start doing that. That's kind of your job. Back post, you know, it misses out the two central defenders. Tav isn't there. It's an easy tap in, and you know, David, from from that point on, because um, I, I I did the post match. And I'd noted down, first five minutes, we were actually quite at it. And Defoe had a snapshot and a, a chance. Then they scored that most basic of goals. And for the rest of the first half, I, I genuinely thought that I'd gone to sleep on Tuesday and woken up in February. Um, because what happened on Wednesday night happened. And then the first half, we just moved away from quick incisive passing and trying to play it into the channels and trying to you know play through teams rather than actually what we had it was slow side to side passing get out to either Tav or Bonabaric and whipping across for you know Jermaine Defoe against three giants effectively if we didn't do that Ryan Kent was getting the ball he, he never he played poorly I thought but he, he certainly never hit um the, the issue I had with Ryan Kent in the first half was he always cut inside. And especially, as Adam says, after after they scored, they then camped in in a 5-5-0 uh, formation. I, I'm not entirely sure I've seen anything like it before in my life, David. But if, if you're playing against 5-5-0 and cutting inside, the odds are you're running into traffic. So, you know, it, it really, really felt like a February 2020 performance. I must admit, at half-time, um, I was I was wondering where the hell a goal was coming from, and ge- genuinely didn't think we'd get it. David, see, just on that fullback point, I completely agree with, with what you both said. But there's a there's a tactical piece of that as well, which um, is important. Um, that's the fourth time so far this season that we've conceded that that goal. Essentially, we've had it. Yeah. Um, obviously, the Motherwell game, we've had it in Dundee United, and then there was two against Standard Liège that were 
pretty similar. Ball from the left or or ball from one side all the way over to, to the back post. It's a weakness, but we allow it to be a weakness. If that makes sense, it's it's a it's a known flaw, I guess. There's there's obviously no perfect tactical system, but it's like the Death Star. There's a flaw there, but it's the way that we play that allows that. Um, there's always a gap uh, anywhere in any team, and ours is generally in behind the fullbacks um, because of how they play. In big games, we actively funnel teams wide and one-on-one with our fullbacks rather than giving them space in the middle because you are, in theory, less likely to score from being wide on the touchline than you are right in front of the defence. So it kind of makes sense. The most obvious example of that, I think, was, was Braga away, where we deliberately let them overload Barisic on the left. Like, ridiculously so. Every time they had the ball, there was clearly two of them with no space, with hundreds of space and Barisic on his own, but it was a tactic. Um, the midfield could then remain compact and we can kind of control the middle. What you then need, uh, and Hoggy alluded to, is there's two points of failure and they are two big points of failure. Barisic or Bassi, whoever it is, needs to stop the ball before it comes in. If he doesn't do it, then Tav needs to win his, needs to win at the back post. He needs to know that there's a chance that ball is going to come in. Quite a high chance, given the way that the tactical system is set up. So you need to make sure you know where your man was. On Saturday, he was nowhere near. Um, give him the benefit of the doubt in the standard Liège games. Um, but on Saturday, he was nowhere near the man at all. That's the two points of failure. Stop the cross. If you can't stop the cross, you need to have your man in those rare situations. So I think that's... It is how we play, and it's not just, oh, they attack, therefore they're, not, they're going to be caught out. That's the way that we have set up the team, and it's these two points of failure, but you still need to do your basic role of defending, which is block the cross and keep your man at the cross. And I think that's key. Uh, Adam, I genuinely think that's key. That word that you've just said, it's basics. And we didn't do it. No, we didn't, and it cost us. Um, and you're right, then, there was a, a flatness and a sluggishness, because... We all knew, you know, we'd lost big game on Wednesday and the stat, which wasn't so much a stat, it's just, it was true, it was a fact, which was Rangers hadn't won after going out of the cup and we dropped points in, in the league games after cup exits under Stephen Gerrard. Half time comes and I think that the second half was watching it back, what I wanted it to be, which was, it was, we were camped in there. Motherwell were playing this 5-5. And look, it's their right to play that. And especially when they get an early goal, you cannot criticise a side for doing that. Would I want to watch it? No. Is there a reason the league can't get a sponsor? Hmm. Uh, It's atrocious. They were so deep. I I pissed myself laughing watching the replay of the Zedbukitin goal when they've got their hand up for offside. How can you be offside? You've had five guys camped on the goal line. Uh, it, it isn't possible. But um, Rangers were, you know, making chances. Stephen Davis with the, the and and watching it back with the knowledge of how it went, it did seem like it was coming, but it didn't at the time. Um, to be totally honest, and that's that's scarring. That's that's previous seasons, previous matches, unfortunately, and you know it's there. We can't pretend it's not. But watching it back, you know, you did sense that God were putting Motherwell under pressure. I did think if we get one, we'll go on and win it. But there was a point around about the 65th minute where I thought, we're not getting the one. Um, we could play all day here and we're not scoring. And then, thankfully, um, a mistake from Motherwell. And let's not kid ourselves, you know, that that boy McGabby's not much of a footballer. Um, put him under pressure and eventually broke. And there was Kamar Roof to, to finish expertly. A couple of minutes later... Cedric Eaton at the back post. Beautiful bit of movement, Adam, I thought. Just 
Wonders in there thinking the ball might pop up here. He said yeah. after the game he thought, yeah, that there's a wee bit of space. I love that. That's a striker. That's instinct, yeah, absolutely. Um I, I think what what you've said there is, is spot on, to be honest. There's just such a fine line where the result just completely changes your perception. Uh, I think and that was maybe something that I, I as I said, had a bit of a huff from half time to about sixty minutes. So much so that I probably couldn't get myself out of that funk even after we had we had went ahead, and it just it clouds your perception. Ian was right. Mood music of the Wednesday night and back to the bad old days, I think, um, affected quite a lot of us. I tried to think what the what the stadium would have been like with with fans in. To be honest, um, I thought same as you, David. We were loads better uh, in the second half, but crucially, maybe not anywhere near as good as we've been recently. Um, I think that's important to to gauge. Um, as you've said, I would agree it's possibly slight revisionism to say we were very patient and stuck to our game plan and were eventually rewarded. It, it really didn't didn't feel like that watching it, or, or even the next day. I can appreciate that we were good in that second half or, or the second half of the second half, if you like, um, but it didn't feel like we were excellent. It, it felt like we managed to grind them down, and like you said, it was a mistake that got us back into the game, but it's crucial. Having Roof and having it in, in there in that six-yard box, both of them came alive for those goals, um, which I thought was fabulous, and it won us the game. And then Cedric, he um, doing what he did at Ross County, and it's, it's something the manager's spoken about. He's a pest. He's a nuisance. Defenders hate him, and there he is, buzzing about in the last minute after an expert piece of clock runny downy by him and Yanis Hadji, where four minutes comes up on the board. You know, that, I'm not going to lie. My, my long johns were on the verge of being lined at that point, but... Um, you know, they, they just expertly went over and killed that. And then Motherwell player doddling the ball, gets robbed by Cedric, and there's Kamar Roof, another lovely finish, and boom, 3-1. What were we worried about? Ian, this was enormous. This And also credit, by the way, Motherwell wasted time from the opening minute, and then as soon as we took the lead, Alan McGregor's cramp. One of the funniest things I have ever seen <laughs> at a football match. Um, top shite hawkery. Uh, there's maybe something to be said incidentally and I'm not sure how you would do it but when a team wait like Motherwell waste time throughout the whole game and then get the benefit of that time added on at the end when they're losing one of those things that is probably no way to stop it but it does seem a bit unfair yeah um, just on Alan McGregor I genuinely had bawling out laughing uh, when he's if he's if he's got a, his stepometer on or whatever you call those things, um, he probably went about two hundred steps during the game. It's not <laughs> as if he's he's gone ten kilometers. Oh Christ, I've got a bit of cramp. It's phenomenal, you know, to the point the refs trying to stretch it out for him. Um, and then we do uh, the the side got a bit of criticism on Wednesday night around game management. We made it two each, and then adrenaline took over. David, and we, you know, we're wrestling the ball and all the rest of it, and then we're all over the place for St Mirren to score the winner. We got it bang on, absolutely bang on on Interestingly Saturday. Interestingly on that, um, see, and I know people picked up on this from the TV pictures, see when we scored and we're celebrating, the, the manager leapt up and did a big celebration. I mean, it was what, probably the biggest celebration I've done since I've been, you know, allowed into the press area. And don't worry about it, folks. I, I know to behave away from home. Um, it's just polite. But I, I did ask about Ibrox. I'm like, look, occasionally I might let out a roar and Rangers will let, well, you're fan media. That's that's perfectly safe. You know, don't 
whip your willy out and run up to the directors of the opposition and wave it. But, you know, the, occasionally going, yes, is all right. And I, I will admit that that happened when Cedric Eaton's goal went in. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I, immediately after the gaffer leapt up, quick, quick hug with Michael Beale, he then turned around and started bawling at them, get back into position, concentrate. I think that was Wednesday night, really. Yeah. Coming yeah. to the fore. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, so we had that on Wednesday. But the game management on Saturday was outstanding. We had the right players in the park to do it as well, David. So you you go from the ridiculous and Alan McGregor, it's just so funny, down to we actually kept the kept the ball for three of those four minutes down in the corner, at the, 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 the corner of the Copeland and the Govan. And we kept it there with Joe Aribo, with Cedric Eaton, Hadji was in the boat there, and we just kept on dinking it off their players to get throw-ins and corners. We gave it away once, we won it back, and then we scored the goal. Um, and the goal just comes from persistence and Kamal Roof just being in that right place at the right time again. Adam, whenever Rangers lose a game, questions of character come up. Bottle, etc. That's the word I saw uh, a lot after Wednesday night. I didn't think it was bottle on Wednesday night. I thought it was a wee touch of complacency because I think Rangers scored early, great form, thought the job was done, really relaxed a wee bit. As you said, St Mirren, who are a limited side, and I don't mean that critically, they beat us fair and square and they deserve to beat us that night. So that's not me in any way denigrating them. But I'm sure they would admit themselves they need to work hard to to overcome sides with superior ability. And I think that that's what happened. They outbattled us. And then Rangers realised we're in a struggle and couldn't really step up a gear, got the goal, and as Ian said, went to sleep. Um, I don't think it was bottle. I think it was complacency. But, you know, sins of the past came back to haunt them. Uh, as I said, character, if you were looking for it, did that happen on Saturday? Or is it a case of we overreact to a single defeat and we say, ah, oh, they've got no bottle or they've got no character. Whereas in fact, it was just, they actually just played badly. I think I'm going to channel Martin Ramsey in here, here and say, and say it, 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 these questions go away when you actually win something. So I think until, until that happens, every setback is going to be faced with, oh, well, when we'll look back through the stats and we'll say, well, actually, in 2018, we, we won three games in a row and then we lost the next three because somebody wore this colour of boots. That's the type of things that, that we'll do. Um, I, I think the team showed great character to get into the game again on Wednesday night. Um, and then I think there's obviously a very late collapse, um, which uh, is not acceptable. And then Saturday, I don't know. I, I, I think the coaching team... On Saturday, possibly went a little bit too cautious. Um, we heard Gerard way back in was that August the Livingston game talking about I can't remember the exact quote uh, after the game, but it's about need to get more more attacking players in, and I, I think that's the last time that that Jack and Kamara played a domestic game together. I might be wrong on that, but I'm, I'm fairly sure it is. I need to get more attackers in the team, and and to be fair, he's done that like we like we said at the start of the show. But I just think with the with the panic's the wrong word, but with the um, disappointment of, of the cup game, I think they went a little bit too cautious uh, in this game, and then a different kind of panic sets in. Uh, as Hoggy mentioned, it, it was like February, January, 
um, that first half, even probably similar to, to ones the year before. Um, we crossed the ball 25 times in that first half to Jermaine Defoe, um, who is five foot, yeah. five foot what, with, as you mentioned, essentially 10 defenders, but certainly three huge centre-halves. We crossed the ball 25 times in. No surprises, it hit the target twice. So 25 balls in, two accurate. Um, we actually made the most crosses that we've had this season in total in the whole game. It was 40 crosses um, in total. But in the second half, there was 15 crosses, obviously, and then five on target. So we changed up. There's different. That obviously doesn't tell you the type of crosses, etc. I think you can understand the first half. Everybody's seen it. It was Tavern Barisic swinging balls in from anywhere and everywhere they could. And it was never going to happen. Mullerwell's game plan was essentially what we said Braga did. We did to Braga. It was squeezes in the middle, cut off the passing lanes, forces wide. Um, judging by the crossing numbers there obviously helps. We weren't very good at it. Another factor I think that we don't consider with that is, is when you push as wide, um, we've only got one wide player on each side. Um, Tavernier is the wide one on the right-hand side. The ball's going to him in those areas. He's had such success, David, getting into the penalty area this season and arriving at the back post. If they effectively give him the ball in those deeper areas, he can't ghost into the penalty area like he has been doing. And he was in far less than he's been. Um, in all the other games, so that's a bit of a double-edged sword. There, it's a we're not going to um, we're not going to let him get into those dangerous areas, but we're also going to make sure that all he can aim for is is Jermaine Defoe. So that contributed to to the the um, the feeling certainly for me was we've been out of ideas here. They've camped the ten men behind the ball. All we're doing is crossing the ball from the halfway line uh, into Defoe's head. So I'm really pleased that the management team showed a, a wee bit of. Um, Bravery, I guess, at halftime. Not necessarily that they weren't brave before that, but showed a bit of bravery at halftime, bringing Aribo on, and then some more bravery by, by bringing Hadji on as well, and essentially playing five attackers plus two attacking fullbacks. I think that is the type of thing that we wouldn't have done last season. I know we always say we'd have lost that game last season, and, and I agree we probably would have, because I don't think we'd have wow, done that. that. That Adam's pet hate is a phrase we would have lost that game last season. So for him to admit it shows you. I think, but quite... but I think I think there's a wee bit of a, a positive sign in there is that yes we probably would have, but what we did this season was we made changes to win the game, whereas last season it would have just been Defoe coming off and it and going on and, and yep. Kamara well, coming on and Jack. Wouldn't going that off. It, it wouldn't have been it and, and is that a big factor that. We turned to the bench at the weekend and we brought on quality like Joe Aribo, Yanis Hadji, um, Cedric Eaton, and then Bongani Zungu. I, I liked that switch because we had five attackers on and we immediately took one off and got back into shape um, when we, we took the lead. We haven't had that quality. You know, when we have run out of ideas in inverted commas in the past, you know, season one, and this is no disrespect, but we were bringing on guys like Glenn Middleton and Kyle Lafferty. And even last season, we, we couldn't turn to the, the strength and depth that we have now. It must be psychologically different. If you're Motherwell, and, and I began to notice some tiring, and um, I said to, to my colleague at the, at the game, I began to notice Motherwell tiring, but I'm like, can we take advantage? And there is a difference when you're Motherwell and you're, you know, you've, you've, throwing yourself into everything and you're shattered and all of a sudden Joe Aribo's dancing about with the ball, Yanis Hadji's dancing about with the ball, Cedric Eaton's moving you all over the place and, and hassling you. That is a difference, I think. That's that's a massive difference, David, that, uh, you know, it, it should be no surprise that better players equals better results. Um, but better players off the bench and options off the bench, I think that's the biggest thing for me. 
because, you know, Adam's already said, here's the players that went off on Wednesday night, here's the players that come on. Some of them were a, were a little weird. Incidentally, Stephen Davis did score, but, you know, I, I, I take the point. We brought on different players, different players to change the inevitable. Uh, and the inevitable was dropped points. But Kamara comes off, Naribo comes on, uh, Defoe comes off, Itton comes on, uh, Kent goes off, I think, from me- memory for Hadji, I think, or, or Zunga, I can't remember. Uh, but different players coming on to do different things. It wasn't about getting out wide and whipping crosses in. All of a sudden, Aribo and Hadji were playing in the corridors. They were playing in those channels, in between the defenders. And just all of a sudden, we were making runs in behind and we were stretching them and we were getting them out of position. Ultimately, that one is the game. Um, also, just want to uh, 60 seconds on Cedric Eaton. For what, on, see on the face of it, it looks like the simplest of finishes. Three yards out, head it into the net. For Cedric Hitton, however, to be on his toes, to change his footing, to be able to get that clean strike on goal, I thought was terrific. And you, you, you go back to one of you said, he is just naturally an instinctive striker. And that's that's how he got his goal. So turning around and looking at that bench and realising that we've got like for likes, and we've got different options. That's that's huge, huge for us. But I think you're right. It's huge for the mindset of the opposition. Adam, we've mentioned this before about you know fans tend to to judge quickly, not just at Rangers, at every club. Um, but you know, yes, Yanis Hadji. I don't think had his best year, but again, that was another influential cameo. Uh, I thought at the weekend, Joe Aribo. I don't think has been. Um, and he's his best form this season. Injury hit, and I don't think that that helped. Um, Cedric Eaton, you know, at times Wednesday night didn't have a good game, but the value was there to see. Yeah, um, I'm always going to um, I'm always going to give those those players a little bit more slack, given the the kind of profile of them. That's the signs we should be making if we're a forward thinking progressive club, bringing these players in who are. Um, rough diamonds, if you like, unpolished uh, and getting them and giving them experience, getting a good couple of years out of them and, and seeing where it goes. So I'm always going to give them a little bit of slack. Um, Hadji, for me, I... Con- inconsistent, I think. He's literally the typical number 10. They're, they're never consistent anyway. However, what he does is he makes things happen. He, he might put the ball out of the park five, four times out of five, but then he might just slip the ball through and get assists. He's got like nine assists so far this season. He's hardly played yeah. in, in two months. He, he makes things happen. Um, Aribo gives you something different. I, I must admit, I, I'm not as sold on Aribo as a lot of other people are. Um, I like the little tricks. I like the little bits and pieces that he does, but I think for every one of those performances, you get one like Wednesday night where he's pretty anonymous. Um, there's a consistency with Hadji in the terms of, well, he, Sooner or later, he's going to give you an assist. I don't always get that variable, um, but I can appreciate that both of them are options for something different. And both of them came to the fore when when they came on on Saturday night. Uh, Saturday, I, I thought um, they both give things in different ways. We have players like Kamara uh, and Jack who will be Mister Consistent and they'll give you everything you need. They'll be seven out of ten every every week. You know exactly what you're going to get. The fact that we've got different types of inconsistent players and inconsistent doesn't necessarily need to be a bad thing. I mean, they can pop up in crucial moments and they can do whatever they whatever they can to help the team. I think that's key. The one for me there, David, you mentioned when I was going through my my dark phase, what we call it on, on Saturday afternoon. I'm sitting there <laughs> thinking, I'm thinking, right, what have we got that's different from last year? Because this is exactly the same. What have we got? And I, I I got down to the players and I'm thinking. 
we've got Hellander there. Now, Balogun hasn't really put a foot wrong Wednesday night. It was a wee bit dodgy. In fact, he put several feet wrong on Wednesday night, if, if we're being honest. But um, Hellander, Benfica aside, has been a rock. He's been fantastic for us this season. So he came back in, I'm thinking, mm, it's not really a, a game where Hellander's going to make much difference in this one. What, what else do we have? And it was Roof. I was like, well, we've got Roof. For me, Roof is our cleverest player. He's the most cerebral player that we've got. I got a wee bit of stick in Wednesday night when I tweeted that he's he's a level above everybody. I think I tweeted that Spurring I think I tweeted that Spurring the Spur of the moment after that we turn in the St. Mirren box where nothing came off. And to me he's two steps ahead uh, uh, in our attack. And sometimes it's one of those things where you can be two steps ahead something that you do looks stupid, but it's because someone else hasn't ran, if that makes sense. Ron, and it... Ronald DeBoer syndrome, that his first season at Rangers, he'd play the pass and there'd be nobody there and we'd yeah. all go, oh, for Christ's sake, what are you doing? But it's like, nobody should have been there. Um, and yeah, you have to adapt to people not being quite on your way. But Brian Loudrup, Hoggy, remember the first couple of months when the players yep. weren't on his wave he was doing these amazing individual things don't get me wrong but he wasn't really fitting into the team play but once he settled I, I just think that I banged on about this but I stick that by it sometimes guys arrive in Scotland for Rangers or unfortunately occasionally for Celtic and you think yeah you know just you're a guy who's played in a better league than this and they arrive and they show that and to me that's Kamar Roof this 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 is a strange wee. Genuinely, we 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 live in a strange wee country, David, and have a really odd wee league. I'm not entirely sure there's many leagues around Europe that are going to have teams pitching up with five five zero formations, but it is what it is. A lot of players struggle, and a lot of players struggle to adapt. Kamar Roof has arrived. And he has, I think, he's adapted far, far quicker than than, than most. Um, he was, he's had a period out injured as well, but he's played seventeen games and scored ten goals this season already. And it's <coughs> it's the twenty first of December, so he's on target to have a twenty goal season. Um, probably that'll be about half of James Tavernier, I think. Um, but he's he's adapted and. I, Genuinely, I don't think we've seen anywhere near the best of him yet. Um, but those uh, those words that my father said to me are still ringing in my ears, David, that every time I see him, I see the runs of a blue-shirted Morris Johnson. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a valid comparison. And, and yeah, I agree. I think he's been excellent. I think he just does look a level above. That's not to say that he doesn't make mistakes or that he doesn't have quiet games or that sometimes he, need, he needs to work at being on other players' wavelength. But... Um, I, I just think you can't teach ability. You either have it or you don't, and, and he most certainly does. Sometimes, Hoggy, uh, as uh, wailing hippie nightmare Johnny Mitchell sang in the in the 70s, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. Been a lot of criticism of Alfredo Morelos. People you know, saying he's not scoring enough goals. I'm probably guilty of that myself. But last couple of games, have we maybe seen... Yeah, but he does occupy defenders and he does cause a fair bit of chaos that other people can can take advantage of. Alfie this season... Uh, so, first and foremost, David, Alfie over the past 46 weeks has not been on form. Full stop. Um, needs a goal, needs a wee injection of confidence because you've seen him troop off the park and Sky have laboured the point about how Huffy looks... All that. Um, but he needs a wee confidence injection. Of course he does. He's been instructed, I have to believe, to come deeper, to play outside the box, to accommodate everyone else um, and everyone else's runs. And if he's coming deep, 
he's dragging players with him. We've seen it all season. You know, how often is Tav getting in the box to, you know, score at the back post from a Barisic cross, etc. And Morelos is outside the box fairly often. Um, so I think the last two games, I think the last two games have missed him because the last two games have been against very robust sides that needed moved about. Um, and Alfredo Morelos has been doing that. I think he's got a really rough ride because of it. Uh, I'll say it again. I think his form over the past six weeks has been pretty poor. But I think he's had a really rough ride because of the numbers, David, because of the stats. Previously, he was our main threat. And we bemoaned that we weren't scoring right across the team. Now we're scoring right across the team. And we're bemoaning that Alfredo Morelos isn't scoring a ton of goals. Logic would dictate that you're not going to get both, um, especially if you're asking him to play outside the box half the time. So it does need a wee confidence injection, absolutely, but I'd have him back in the side for St. Johnson. Adam? Um, yeah, the last <laughs> two games have certainly given me, me food for thought. I, I think I'm in the camp, or I, I think I was in the camp, where um, I don't think the link-up play is so much different to to last season he, he is a little bit deeper and it's possibly because we've got Roof there as well and he's getting getting ahead we've got Arfield running further um, that we probably didn't have last season I don't think he's so much deeper I also don't think his link up play is fantastic I think he can be quite clumsy with it um, sometimes however the other points that Hoggy made there around it are really valid um, who do you want playing against a, a team like Mullerwell the way that they set up out of Morelos Itton and Defoe, it's 100% Morelos. I think if Itton had started that game on on Saturday, he would have been uh, nearly as uh, as um, conspicuous as, as Defoe was. Um, I don't think that's the right type of game for him. I think we need Morelos there, dropping deep, dragging defenders with him. more. It's more the threat of Morelos, I think, sometimes, rather than what he's actually contributing. And I don't mean that to sound like a, like a disservice no, to him. No, but... I get it. It's, it's, no, every team... As a player, like, you know, Man United don't take Bruno Fernandes off if he's having a, a quiet game because the other team have to leave two men on him yeah. because they know he can burst into life. And Alfie brings that to us. Yeah, I totally agree with that. So there's there's that side of it there, which we're, we're agreed he hasn't been as good um, in the last six weeks. However, there, there's that. Well, he's, he's, he's there and, and what if on a defender's side? And then also the physicality of him, I think, is unrivaled, certainly in anybody else that that we've got and probably all of all of Scotland as far as a, a centre forward, that type of physicality that he's got. So so there's sides of it there. Um thank you. I think he'll start on, on Wednesday night. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, good record um, against Johnson. Okay. Absolutely. Well, I think I've I've been at pretty much every game that he scored up there. So um hopefully that's not a bad omen. But um we've uh, we'll see how it goes. But I have got a a Morelos pod coming out on the Patreon site next week probably. David just looking at him this season in terms of whether there's much change uh, and his link-up play, all that sort of stuff from from last season. Obviously, the goals have have dried up considerably, um, but we're going to do a wee bit of a eighteen month, if you like, analysis on him just to see what what he is doing differently from a from a tactical point of view. So that will be out next week. So I'm not sure. Definitely, the last two games have given me food for thought, given how um, kind of ineffective the starting centre forward has been in both of those games. Ian, psychology in a title race is huge. Had Rangers followed up a cup defeat with another disappointing result, then people would have been saying a lot of things, but more importantly, would have given a fill-up to our title rivals. Instead, we're 16 points clear. Now, yes, 
they have three games in hand. That is absolutely correct. But you need to win those games in hand, and given the way they've been playing, that's not guaranteed. I would rather have the points on the board at all times. But secondly, how many times have we been sitting watching one of their games, or not watching rather, studiously avoiding, but you hear, ah, they're a goal down. And then you're sitting there going, it gets closer and closer and closer, and you're sitting there going, hold the equalise and you go well you know there's only what five minutes left just a draw is even as good and then they inevitably go on and win we did that to them at the weekend and that's different and that is the kind of thing that indicates different level of challenge yeah I, and I'm, I'm going to guess that's not your stomach David I'm going to guess that's Nala in the background snoring um, sorry is it is it that loud <laughs> yeah it was <laughs> uh, my apologies then to to all the listeners i have a little snowy dog in the background i shall go and rouse her indeed so um you know just <clears throat> we've all been through it we've we've absolutely all been through it david that you're willing celtic to drop points they almost do and you snatch it away uh, or they snatch it away that happened on Saturday. And I think that just, just that psychology is huge. Really, really huge. Because if I, if I take you through my journey on Saturday, it's probably the same as you guys. That after 65 minutes and you're thinking it's just no coming, all you can see in your head is, and we're, going to be, we're only going to be four points ahead. Already you've projected uh, they're going to win their three games in hand. Um, right through to, and you know fine well, Celtic fans will have been sitting there watching, going, "Great, we're going to it's back to it's going to be back to four. We win the game. I can guarantee you, those said the, the absolute same Celtic fans, and they'll be thinking, "Shit, it's sixteen points. It's gone from four to sixteen in the in the space of twenty five minutes. That psychology is massive, and you know we, we've had two games there where we've not been sparkling." Far from it. We've lost one. We've scraped by the other. We need to now go and put the foot back on the throat on Wednesday night. Yeah, 100%. Right, uh, that will do us, apart from your opportunity to win a signed photograph of Ryan Jack celebrating after scoring the winning goal against Celtic in December 2018. Thanks to our friends at Five Stars. Now, Five Stars, you may know, is Chris Boyd's company. Uh, it's an events partner of Rangers, and they very kindly gave us the they very kindly gave us the the, the photograph to to do. All you need to do is follow them on their social media. That's at Five Stars, or at uh, you, you go into Twitter and you'll find at Five Stars Limited on Twitter, and just search for them on Facebook. Or if you don't use social media, which I know uh, a lot of you don't you simply need to send them an email um nice and easy nice and straightforward all you have to do is email them at five stars and it's a new it's letters um, f-i-v-e stars limited at outlook.com so five stars limited at outlook.com and just say hi i'm entering this competition but you can follow them on instagram facebook or twitter as well and that will be you entered and the winner will win this signed photograph of ryan jack so thank you to our friends at five stars for enabling us to do that my thanks to our executive producers in london mike lee and paul miles and of course my thanks to our two guests first of all the wonderful adam thornton cheers david 
and the fabulous Mr Ian Hogg. David, um, thanks for having me on. I hope your team wins on Wednesday night. And uh, this is the last Monday flagship before Christmas. So uh, Merry Christmas, everyone. Absolutely. Merry Christmas to every bear. I hope that the team send you into Christmas happy and I hope that they make you happy on Boxing Day as well. Full cover- coverage, of course, over on our Patreon site, patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. Apologies for my little dog in the background snoring if it put you off, but uh, any of you who've been around heart and hand for these 10 years will know that dogs always play an important part and always will. Thanks for listening. Take care. Bye bye. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.